everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. Uh, I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today, well, first of all, I'm going to say it's going to sound a little echoey in here. Uh, and that's because this is the premiere first podcast uh, of Adela Marcy Unplugged at the new apartment. The old one was called Soho Manor, even though it was tiny. Uh, this big one is known as the Artist's Playroom. So welcome to that fun little place. Today's guest is none other than my very good friend, Sarah Thompson. She's an amazing mentor coach. She's actually my mentor and coach uh, in business and with my finances. And she's basically just uh, helped me really understand how I can get consistency in my business, even though sometimes I do drop the ball. I'm not completely off the ball so much that uh, I'm basically wiped out. She's very, very good at getting me back on and helping me and everyone else that she's worked with get to those uh, get to those results. Sarah, thank you for being here and being part of the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, man, this is going to be so much fun. Just to give you guys a quick heads up, I speak to Sarah on average about, uh, how many times about a week? We, we, we speak on the phone about three or four times a week. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, te- like, we text each other a lot. Mostly random cat videos or memes or other stuff like that. <laughs> Because, you know, yes. what else do you do with your business mentor? Well, we, we're both cat lovers, so we have that in common. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And we're, mo- we're not liked by the same people at times, so that's always fun. Uh, bonding experiences. <laughs> but yeah, so I want to just quickly get everyone, uh, before we do the show, I'm going to do a quick sponsor call for everyone. So the sponsor call is, as always, this show is sponsored by adelamarcy.com. Go check it out. The new website looks amazing. Obviously, it's going to be upgrading and being built over time because I wanted to get out there and just start building. Um, also, this episode is sponsored by Sarah B thompson.com links in the description but it's sarah s-a-r-a-h-b as in b yeah Yeah. yes uh and then thompson as in t-h-o-m-p-s-o-n there is a h in there make sure you have it in there otherwise you'll just go to some random site you're like what is this so yeah the h is be all important yo because i realized that if you took away the h from sarah and thompson you just got sarah thompson or sarah thompson as you would but go to yes. When people ask me how to spell it, they'll say with an H and I'll say yes, both. And then they get totally confused. Oh man. I've, uh, I don't have that problem. I just, this just brought me to like this, I, this thing that happened last week. Um, so my friend Shauna came over and, um, she sent me this, she sent me this meme, uh, which is like, remove these letters from your first and surname and, um, see what your name looks like without it we removed the, le- the letters from adela marcy i just ended up with the letter d like that would be my entire name is just the letter d <laughs> i'm just gonna start calling you d yeah d what a <laughs> it's like does his name start with a d no it's just a crazy little thing that we do um so really right off the bat one i want to ask you particularly because i've always been curious about this and we've not really spoken about it uh in great depth it's this idea at one point, was it $80,000 you were in debt by? Yes, 85000 So eighty five grand in the hole. How the hell did you pull yourself back out? I know because you're like a financial wizard at times, but particularly how did you do it? Well, there were two things that I focused on. One was making more money in my business so that I could use that money to pay off debt. Mm-hmm. And... The second was that I put myself on a very strict budget um, and just worked at getting things that I spent money on down to the most minimal and putting everything I could towards paying off the debt. Now, I've been in debt since I was 18 and I'm 46. Because when I started college, I got, you know, these offers in the mail for a $500 credit card. And I only, when that first year of college, I think with my work study job and my summer job, I think I made maybe $2,000 that whole year. And they gave me a $500 credit limit. I was like, woohoo! I love when that happens. So I was just tired of having debt hanging over me all the time. 
So my question here then would be, um, what advice would you give to people? Because I know like raising more money in your business is there and I've done it obviously because you and I had that whole discussion. I was like, yeah, you need to create different packages with different price points. So like I up my, I basically put my real prices up because I was, aver- I had a weird aversion to actually putting how much I charge on my website. And now it's like clear as day for everyone to see. It's like, yeah, pay him 18 grand plus 15% of your sales and you get him. Why? Yeah. Because I make millions for people all the way up to like a, I think like 50 or $70,000 package plus percentage of your business because I know what I can do. So that being said, what was it that you specifically would advise others to do to actually beef up their offers and sell more? Because again, the big fear is, will people pay me if I up my prices? I mean, I just want to put this in context. If you're selling something like $50 for an hour, then you're stupid in my opinion, especially if you're very good at what you do and I'm not taking that back. You are a dumbass. What I mean is in the sense of how does someone that's already charging quite a lot of money increase how much they're charging? Well, it all, it all really comes down to confidence. And Mm -hmm. so I believe that confidence is built incrementally that you can't just go from being in the toilet with your confidence to being at the top of a mountain so the way that you can build your confidence is to have small wins and how do you get those small wins right you you might not be able to increase your prices by, you know, double your price. You might not be able to double your price or triple your price or quadruple your price right off because it's too scary and your confidence hasn't built to that level. But say your price for something is $5,000 and you sell three of them for $5,000. Then up your price to $6,000 and see if you sell any. If you do, if you sell three at 6,000, then increase your price to 7,000, right? Like do that and you will start to believe because you've actually done it. It's not just like a fluke one-time thing. You happen to sell this thing once for 10,000. You, you build trust in the fact that you can do this. And that builds confidence in yourself that you can do this. You can repeat it anytime you need to repeat it. Mm-hmm. All right. So could you just say that last bit again? I seem to have lost you. Oh, okay. I said you build trust in yourself that you can repeat the success Oh, okay. Yeah. So I told uh, that I totally agree with because like I had, um, 2019 at the start of 2019, I think I made like half my 2018 income in like two weeks. That was like incredible, but it was the idea for, at least for me, I, cause I've had conversations with other people as well. I'm trying to, cause we've had these conversations and I'm trying to let everyone else in on them because, um, I think if you're listening to this, I think it'll benefit you massively. Uh, specifically, it was I did half of my 2018 income inside two weeks in January, and then I kind of dropped down. Like, I'm not saying I was hurting, but I dropped, not significant, well, it was significant at the time, but I was like, I made money. I made, I, I consistently made money every month, but it wasn't like half of 2018 income um, three months in a row. It was like half of 2018 income and then like double what my monthly average was in 2018 in from like February and March. And now in April, we're recording this in April. I know I'll probably double it again. So my theory is, so my question here is, how do you actually have like a big surge of spike? Like, you know, we make a lot of money at one time. How do you keep that momentum going forward rather than kind of, okay, I've made all this money. I'm going to like take my foot off the gas pedal now because I don't really need to drive anymore. Uh, and I'll let it chill. And then, oh, wait, I'm in, I'm in the red again. I need to like, spike up another set of income, uh, a lot more money. How do you diffuse that trigger? Like specifically you, because I know that we've had discussions like this, but how, how do you personally diffuse that trigger? 
the trigger of like, I need to almost go uh, broke in order to. Um... Well, different people have different patterns, right? That is your pattern. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone has that pattern. Your pattern is, okay, I can make a bunch of money and then I can take my foot off the gas. And, you know, I like to think about it for myself in terms of um, in the book, the 12 week year, there's a section where they talk about Michael Phelps Mm -hmm. and how he, the, the, his moment of greatness isn't when he received the medals. It's actually every day that he gets in the pool every day that he's practicing for that. That's, though, that's actually his moment of greatness. So for somebody such as yourself that has that kind of pattern, that would be what we would work on. Actually getting in the pool every day. And when it comes to writers, often the way that they can produce the best quality writing is to write every day. Yeah. I would agree. So I'd also take it one step further as well. Okay. Uh, I'd say that it's not just writing. It's writing deliberately every single day. Um, Cause there is a huge difference in that personally. Um, because I, as much as I like to say, I write every day. The truth is I have my iPad every day. So I create something new on there, whether it's like a new drawing or it's like my journals or whatever it is. But it's habitually getting into that habit of writing what you feel like. Not, I've got to write a client piece. I've got to write an email. I've got to write this. No, no just get into the habit, as you said, write something. Not a value, but a value to you. It could be something that you literally just put out so you can read it one year later. It could be, I think I wrote, I think I put this on a Facebook post a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I wrote an infamous letter to myself called the fuck you letter. Um, yes. And I, I just basically went through and wrote down everything that I want to say fuck you to. No more did I want to be this. No more did I want to be that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm pretty much winding up to write that again. <laughs> Probably will this weekend. Um, because it's time for me to like upgrade my, my thinking to that new level of uh, thought process, what I want. So I agree with you on that whole writing aspect for sure. But I mean, like, what if it's from like someone that does say, uh, God, what do they do? Say they run advertising as an ad agency, like for Facebook ads, or what if they're a videographer? What if they're an artist like that draws? What if they're a stay at home mom that creates, um, custom made jewelry for clients? How would they apply the same thing? What could they create every single day? And I know I'm throwing a curveball at you right now. I'm just curious. Oh, no, it's not a curveball at all. Ah, damn. I was trying to catch you there. Sorry. Creativity (laughs) is something that you nurture. And if you earn your income from your own creativity, then you you need to nurture it. That's why a lot of the work that I do with people around money is around getting a stable and consistent amount of money whether it be that they have savings in their bank account, whether it be that they're ahead on their rent or mortgage payment, whether it be that they have consistent money coming in every month that they can rely on, having that sense of security for people that are relying on their creativity for an income is huge because it allows you to access your that creativity when you're nervous and worried about where that next dollar is coming from or whether or not the rent is going to be paid this month it inhibits your ability to be creative chase agrees with you by the way for, for those the, yeah. thank you yeah he's just like i'm just gonna like meow at this exact point that she's talking truth he can't <laughs> even hear you because i've got my headphones in so He's like straight up legitimately like tapping into the ether here. <laughs> My cats are weirdo. I fucking love them though. I really do. So 
with creativity being how it is and something I'm going to circle back on this a little bit more later on because I don't want to use the same book. But the, the question for me here is what would you say is the best way to nurture creativity? Is there a book that you recommend that people even start reading to understand creativity and flow states? Or is it just a case of like, I just got to put in the house of practice? Well, one of the books I recommend for creatives that they read multiple times is War of Art. Mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield. By the way, I actually only recently found out about his story. Like, did you know it? No. Like, he was a bit of an, I, I, I'm totally riffing this off Joe Rogan. So Joe, if you ever listen to my show, I don't think you do. But if you ever did, and you're not <laughs> a guest, I will be super pissed because you like influenced me so much. But um, what I mean to say is, um, God, what do you say? He said something along the lines of Stephen Pressfield, because he recommends that book as well. He's like, Stephen Pressfield essentially was a ne'er-do-well until he was 40. Like, he never really had any big successes. People looked down on him and his family, the whole lot. And then he something flipped him in him when he was 40-ish and then just became this incredible writer for everything that he does. Because I didn't realize that this is the same guy that wrote The Legend of Bag of Ants. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's done like a bunch of movies. Um and written a bunch of books as well on top of it. So, you know, great book to read. And yes. one that I should really have on my nightstand all the time. Well, and there's different times when you need different things from different books, right? So right. I just find that one grounding where it's like, hey, you're basically the whole message is your head is going to fuck with you and don't let it. That's what I get mostly from that book. Yep. Including a couple of strategies on how to deal with it when it does fuck with you. Because <laughs> it will. And uh, multiple times a day. Yep. And so will the cats. <laughs> My cats are being really quiet. They're sleeping. So, Hopefully your cats don't wake my cats up. Oh, I hope they don't. I hope they don't because like mine have been like pains in the butt. Like they've been, they've been really, well, cause I've moved my office. Like it's actually got to the point where I really want my office, uh, moved upstairs. Cause I haven't actually started building yet, but I'm looking cause the space upstairs actually comes with a lock on the inside of the door. And my landlord here won't let me have a lock on, on this door. So I'm like, damn it, seriously? Because he thinks I'm going to sublet the place. I'm like, no, it's just to keep the cats out. Um, they figured out how to basically walk into my office at nighttime and just sleep in there. I'm like, please don't. Chase, seriously, stop, buddy. No me out right now. I was doing an interview. Or so I was being interviewed yesterday. <laughs> One of my cats, when, they're, when he's hungry, he likes to knock things off the counter and break them or the mantle of the fireplace. And so he was doing that during the interview. It was really fun. <sighs> I, I hate it when that happens. Cause then you gotta be like, okay, I'll be back. I, I think the worst one I've ever had with Chase was uh, my episode I did with um, Heather Ann Havenwood, where mm -hmm. it was in my old place. He literally climbed up and uh, pulled down the entirety of a bookshelf by oh. himself. And all you saw was like a bouncing ball on my screen because that's all that basically fell. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. They are assholes, cats. I mean, I love cats, but they're assholes. Oh, without a doubt. They just are. It's one of my favorite things, but they are such dicks. Um, so yeah, kind of like jumping back onto the point because that was a strange one to actually like walk down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I wanted to actually ask you on, on, uh, in terms of like financial creativity, because it is a level of creativity that you have there. How do, how does someone actually start? Huh? Actually, I'm gonna change my question. When it comes down to actually setting aside savings, because I've had this problem, do you actually have an automatic savings account that you put money aside to every single month for your direct debits? Or do you do it every time you get a client payment, you set the same percentage that goes in? Um, and also when should you touch your savings slash should you ever touch your savings? 
well, questions to ask. I mean, it, it depends, right, is the answer, because it totally depends on your financial situation, how much you are even able to save, right? One of the issues with n newer entrepreneurs is that they don't build in enough savings into their pricing, right? So that they're able to take some money and set it aside, whether it be for taxes, whether it be for health insurance, whether it be for just having some kind of buffer. So what I recommend is that you have four basic bank accounts, personal checking and savings and business checking and savings. So in your business savings, you should be putting aside money for taxes. You should be putting money aside for a possible returns and chargebacks. Most people are not doing that. And yes, so I've then, been burned by that before. Right. So then when they have a return or a chargeback, it's, the money's not there. It's crippling. It, right. And it's really stressful. So I always build that in to any kind of financial model I do for somebody is that you should be putting money aside for that. Like taxes is an obvious one, right? But things like returns and chargebacks, my rule of thumb is you set aside industry standard. If you don't know what industry standard is, you should be putting 10% at least aside for that. Okay, you, so may you may never get a chargeback. That's awesome if you don't. Sometimes you do. And something I did want to ask, so what you would say is, say for instance, if you charged, so if your living expenses were like $5,000 a month, mm -hmm. and then there's the years of expertise and training or whatever, you add another five grand on that, so that's $10,000 that you basically have there. Then what you want to do is add in, say, 20% uh, from that, and that is, if I remember correctly, that's basically $12,000, and if there's a chargeback and how much you can basically you know, survive and everything else in between, um, you basically add in another three. So essentially your, your charge out for your client is around $15,000 basically. So that way you're covering every pool that's an eventuality and possibility. Would you say that would be a smart way of doing it? Or like basically add all everything that you need to pay out and you just add it together and say, like, okay, this is how much money my client needs to pay me. No, I don't do anything that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> your math is like so confusing to me. I'm like, what? No, I, I base pricing and what you are going to earn on the market, not on your expenses. If you <laughs> yes, I get it that you have a basic living expense that you need to cover with your business. But that really has nothing to do with your pricing. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's not, it's not even related at all. It is in your mind because you're like, oh shit, I got to cover these expenses. But yeah. in the, in the market, it's not related. No one cares whether or not your rent is paid. Yeah. Your, your clients could give a shit less. And so I see people basing even their offers on like, oh, I got to, I, guys, I, I want to take two vacations this year or I need to make enough money to go on such and such a trip. And so then they put an offer out based on that and they tell people that. Yeah. No, no, no one gives a shit. Like yeah. this is like something that I learned from you and from other really amazing copywriters is that so let's be honest it was just me I'm it was it was just it was you mainly but i've heard it before which is that seeing, yeah. your your audience doesn't really give a shit about you yeah like yeah. they don't care about what your needs are they're trying to fill their own needs exactly so 
to answer the question, yes, you need to charge more than you think you need to charge in order to cover your expenses because your expenses will be greater than what you planned. So always put some kind of buffer in. Always put some kind of money in there for savings. I would agree. I mean, it's something that I'm still like sorting out. By the time the show comes out, uh, I'll be back up to like a couple of thousand dollars in like my savings account quite quickly. Um, but it's still one of those things. After moving, I swear to God, no one ever tells you. If you're moving, make sure you have a couple of months worth of like living expenses put aside on top of what you foresee as a moving expense. Just uh, as someone that has recently gone through it and is going, ah, crap. It's one right. of those fun things. Exactly. And I mean, I'm, I'm a perfect example of this, right? right? Because I just got through a cancer diagnosis. And so for 10 months, my earning ability was reduced. Yeah. Like I physically couldn't work. I couldn't use my brain. My brain didn't function. And as you know, my brain is like you mean what asset. I use every day. <laughs> That's my asset. That's my no, my creativity comes from there. My knowledge comes from, I, would, I couldn't do that. I couldn't use my brain. So I'm not trying to scare people into saying like, you're going to be diagnosed with some horrible disease like cancer, but like have a contingency in place. Have, don't be living so close to the edge that if something happens, you're not able to weather the storm. Yeah. Basically, don't pull a me. <laughs> but it's not, it's not just you. See, that's the thing, is everyone thinks it's just them. But having worked with clients, many clients, a lot of people are doing this. They're in their business. Yeah. I would agree entirely with that because um, I've, I've spoken to so many entrepreneurs for a really long time and I'd be spilling the beans and kicking a beehive by saying so, but screw it, it's fine. Um, I've worked with so many entrepreneurs that when I started working with them, I genuinely thought I was the reason they were going broke. I was like, oh my God, how? And then I realized, no, they hadn't actually sorted out their finances and were, basically were um, waiting on me as their Hail Mary. Right. And I'm like, dude, I'm fine being a clutch player because the way that I actually am is if my back is against the wall and I have nothing in front of me and as long as I keep my mind and like that checkpoint is like, hey, dude, you got this, nothing can stop me. And you, you've seen it so many times where it's like, okay, how's Adel going to make it out of this, of this one, guys? If my life was a sitcom, it would be freaking Gilligan's Island. <laughs> That's how crazy it is because like, what can go wrong with a coconut radio? That's the insanity of my life at times. But I'm changing it over so it's a little bit more smart and more fun, like billions. Um, it's just my set shift. And yes, that, I, that, we would much rather have it be based on billions than on Gilligan's Island. That's the goal. I wouldn't even say billions because like that is on its own scandal. To be fair, if I could pick a movie, uh, if I could pick a movie where my life is based on Probably Archer, in all, not Archer, sorry, uh, Iron Man. Archer's my favorite show, but like Iron Man. Just like, like, oh, I've got it all, I'll be fine. Not a weapons <laughs> person that sells things, I just make an iron suit and fly around everywhere. Yay. Um, but yeah, something that I did want to ask you specifically, I had the question in my mind for like a second, and then I was like, oh, I should really ask it, and I for some reason forgot. Um, so I'll circle back to that in just a moment. But when it comes down to uh, the idea of Oh, sorry, that was it. Sorry, I was listening to Marshall uh, Silva, who is who has been on the show as well. Guys, go check out that episode. It's one of the most popular ones we've had. Marshall actually, I found this out by listening to his audio program. And one of the things he says is, the way that he works is very similar to me. That he, If his back is against the wall, he'll come out swinging and manage to do it. The thing that he needs to change personally for himself, the way he did it, was that he basically put a, um, a new quote-unquote bill 
every single month that he had to pay on a certain date, which is for a set amount known as savings. Um, I know I'm harping on about this, guys, but you guys have no idea how few entrepreneurs actually have savings in their accounts. And this is something you really need to uh, understand and fully develop and, and grasp. Because once I started to understand this, it saved my butt a bunch of times. I've just got to understand how to get it consistently. And that's my personal challenge. Marshall's way of doing it, and I want to see if you agree or disagree with this, Sarah, is like having that set there. So if you're one of those people that's like back against the wall, must make money. If you have that bill come out of your account every single month on automation and go to a savings account or something like that, or a business savings account or whatever it is, would you say that would be prevalent and useful for people who are like me in the sense of like, we like the last minute rush. We're basically adrenaline junkies. You mean having your bills automatically come out of your account? Kind of, but also set it as like, not as just bills, but like actually, well, yeah, pretty much just as basically as bills, like have it there. So it just comes out every single month. Um, mm -hmm. And it, and instead of saving, calling it savings, you, you just basically put a different title to it. Yes. Yes, you should have move money on a regular basis and maybe it's monthly or maybe it's twice a month that you're moving money into a savings account and you can call it whatever you want. You could call it your, you know, in your case, you're going to be coming to the United States this year. Yeah. You could call it your U.S. travel fund. You can call it whatever you want as long as you're putting the money there. Yeah. And sometimes it helps to call it a thing like your U.S. travel fund because then it's a motivator to earn that additional money so that you're able to do that. Because if you're just thinking of it as bills, it's, it's not that motivating. I mean, yes, you know you have to pay your bills, but it's like, oh, my bills versus oh, my trip to the U.S., or oh, my trip here, or oh, my this, right? Yep. My big Christmas for my kid, you know, whatever the thing is that provides you motivation, call it whatever you, call it whatever you want if it's motivating for you. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a thing for a while called the Jiu-Jitsu Fund. Exactly. I could have that. <laughs> oh, so much fun. Um, so goodness me, I love my brain. Sometimes it really does. Uh, it doesn't disappoint, but at times it really goes off in its own little magical tropes and I'm like, rain it in brain, rain it in. Um, <laughs> Come back brain. Brain. Yes, we need, we need, we need in the brain. Oh, don't even get me started on that show. I love that show. Um, Actually, you know what? I might actually see if I can find it online. Like, find it on one of the channels and just like put it on for my relaxation tonight. Like after I've done all my work, it's my little reward. Um, the thing I, one of the big questions I really had for you, Sarah, more than anything else, was um, you've managed to network with a lot of entrepreneurs like around the world and help them out. And again, like I said, me included. You've worked with a bunch of other people. What have you found are like the three biggest characteristics that you've had to really shift in people's consciousness that isn't to do with the saving, that isn't to do with like, you know, setting high price and stuff, but what are the three mindsets, not just towards money or whatever it is, but what are the three mindsets that you found that have to be shifted for someone to actually reach that pinnacle of growth? Uh, well, they're, they're, it depends on the person, of course, but the things that come up a lot are um, self-worth. So I like to think of it as the, um, you know, in um, what's the movie where Wayne, is it Wayne and Garth are like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Oh, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Right. Yeah. So, Instead, people need to be doing, we are worthy, we are worthy. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's number one, that you are worthy of great things. Most people, when I start working with them, their self-worth is, is low. Yeah. 
and their their confidence in their self is low and so that's a lot a lot of the work is around that and it could be you know a lot you were talking about how steven started you know really getting into his momentum after he turned 40 a lot of people that i work with are what i would refer to as late bloomers they've done a lot of things they've scrambled they've they've pieced a income together but they've never quite gotten to that point that they want to be at and then so they feel really bad because they're comparing themselves to other people who have gotten to a certain point yeah and so really focusing on not comparing to other people and working on your own stuff is a lot of the the work so there's that there's that's a huge issue that people struggle with and even once they start to have some success those feelings of self-doubt come back in like it's inevitable yeah. that's why i refer to being self-employed and being an entrepreneur as a roller coaster because you can be at the top of the roller coaster and a minute later you can be at the very bottom and then you're at the top again it's like what is going on and so as you know one of the things that i do with clients is if they're at the bottom of the roller coaster they send me a text message like oh my god i'm freaking out blah is happening then we have a conversation yeah. and we talk through it because usually the bottom isn't really as low as the person is feeling in that moment. So there, that's one. Number two is around control. So most people, in order to grow their business, need people to help them. Agreed. And letting go of some of the control is really hard, particularly if they've been a solopreneur for a while and they have had all of the control. Now letting go of that to get help from other people, you know, to start hiring people, even if it's not full time, even if it's, you know, on a project basis or subcontract basis. It's really hard for people to start to let go of a little bit of that control. Particularly people that are creative and have set a high quality standard for themselves. Mm-hmm. in the work that they produce it's hard it is like it, it's one of the toughest things that we can do so working through that like oh you hired somebody oh they they didn't do like a perfect job the first time they did something for you yeah that actually will happen but Often what people do is they'll say, oh, see, I got to do it myself. (laughs) I I knew this wouldn't work. I knew this, I couldn't have somebody else help me. So I'm just going to do it myself. You know what? That's actually quite true of me. (laughs) It's not just, see, that's the thing. It's not just me. It's, I, I know so many people have that as well, but it's, it is, True of me. I, I do do these things. And so, so that's inhibits people's growth. And then I would say probably the third thing is people's ability to actually believe in the good outcome. 
So most people, the reason their business growth is, is incremental is because they can't imagine their business being any bigger than their mind can comprehend. Right. right. So, if you, so if you're, if, if you, for example, have a business and you're earning a hundred thousand dollars a year, you might be able to wrap your head around earning 500,000 a year, but you might not yet be able to wrap your head around earning 10 million a year. Yeah. Like your own brain can't even comprehend it. Even though you see other people with $10 million businesses, you can't, comprehend how that would work for you yeah how it's even possible yep that is very true i've had those experiences and they're not fun especially the comparison game it's really yeah. interesting like this is by the way guys you're essentially kind of being like given an interview style version of basically what is a one-on-one -on -one training for me <laughs> <laughs> so like, I get to ask the questions and Sarah gets to answer them but this is actually what I get this is what I do this is what happens to me when I get on the phone with Sarah it's just the, right. it's just the way it is yeah so so getting your brain to to see not just the potential but but actually believe that you can do it is one of the you know it's it's the practical thing that i do with people because i'll say you know say the goal is a 10 million dollar business then we actually i actually break out break down how that is going to happen over you know the course of however many months and years to get to that point yeah and so that in so doing that helps people wrap their head around how it's even possible. I mean, that's how I helped a client go from a $10 million business to a $40 million business in three years. Cause we actually mapped it out. Like this is what you're going to do to get to 40 million. And when I started with that client, he didn't even have a goal of where he wanted to be. It was like, you know, like, where do you want to be? That's a big one. Because you get wrapped up in the day-to-day -day or the month-to-month. -month. And so you forget about looking forward and looking to the future and planting the seeds today that will, you know, in four years be a tree. Hmm. So I'm actually like ruminating on this. And also one of the very few times I get to use the word ruminating ever. <laughs> it's a good word. I just don't get to use it often enough. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, She's broken at all. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm making this so deep and. Oh God, no, you're kidding me. I love conversations like this because those are the ones that like lead to breakthroughs. I know everyone listening to this, guys, if you love this, go ahead and share it, go ahead and comment and you know, put it everywhere else you can. Because again, this is just kind of the evolution of what we do. Um, goodness me, there was a question. So, one of the, so I'm going to try and lighten the mood ever so slightly with like a slight like, drive into a different, not even a different direction, to like a side street for a second. And that is, what would you recommend would be your top five books? Top five books? Yeah. But we're going to split it up. As I said, you, you've been, you've heard me say this a bunch of times, so I'll ask anyway. Three fiction and two nonfiction, but the two nonfiction books can also be book. Uh, sorry, three nonfiction and two fiction books. And the two fiction books can be movies, whether they're real or not, is completely up to you. So if they're like a biographical movie, that's fine too. Okay. Um, well, 
number one book would be, I mean, I already mentioned War of Art, so that that's on the list. Number two is The One Thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that book came out like... 2014. Yeah, I was going to say five years ago. So, but it's still relevant. And it's very... The message in it has helped me a lot, which is why I often have clients read it, which is the main message that I get from that book is that, you know, what's the one thing you can do to make everything else easier? And if you just break that down to whatever is happening in your day, and just solve that next one thing that makes your life easier. Like I use the example of when I was, when I had an office in town, I work out of my home now, but I had a rented an office in town for a few years and it was pouring rain and Mm -hmm. I wanted to go across the street to get a coffee. So I was like, Oh, I can totally, just run across the street really fast, right? And I got like practically swept away down the street because the water was just like coming in a river and I got drenched. I got my coffee. I went back to my office and I was like, oh my God, I'm soaked. I can't even work. Like I was just freezing and soaked. I'm sure in London you may have had this experience before. Yeah. (laughs) And so I I thought to myself, like, well, what can I do so this doesn't happen again? Like, I know I'm going to want to go across the street and get a coffee in the pouring rain again. And then I thought, well, they make something for this very thing. And it's called an umbrella. Right? And then I was like, okay, so why, what's the issue with umbrellas? Well, the issue with umbrellas is you never have one when you need it. So then I thought, well, what if I always had an umbrella wherever I needed it? So I went on Amazon and I bought five umbrellas or four umbrellas, however many umbrellas. And then I put an umbrella in my car. I put an umbrella in my laptop bag. I put an umbrella in my office. I put an umbrella by the door at my house, right? So I, instead of having to remember an umbrella or predict if it was going to rain that day, I just had more umbrellas. And that solved my getting drenched issue forever forward. Hmm. I was going to say, so you just, I had to add forward. Did I miss anything just after? Cause we had like a slight, I saw the uh, connection just go down for a second. No. Okay, cool. Please continue. So that's number two book. Mm-hmm. Now you need fiction books. I mean, gosh, I, I've been raising children for 25 years, so I have to say my, <laughs> my consumption of fiction books is pretty low. But you said I could use movies, right? Yeah, so yes. I'm a movie watcher for sure. Massively. We both get on the yep. <laughs> I love movies. I, I just, I just love them. And that was actually one of the things that was hard for me when I was going through um, chemotherapy is, you know, you're immunocompromised. So I couldn't go to the actual movie theater because of the germs. Yeah. That was, that was like one of the hardest things about it. I know that sounds silly, but it was like not being able to do something that you love is hard. So 
movies, I, my, one of my favorite movies of all times is Shawshank Redemption. Brilliant movie. Oh, by the way, just as a side note, I definitely recommend you watch The Thick of It. It's on Netflix. It's a UK-based show. But someone literally made the best joke ever with the shorthand redemption. Is it okay if I tell the joke very quickly? I mean, it's, yes, go, go for it. Um, it's a political satire show. Uh, and basically, they have the spin doctor, played by Pete Capaldi, who is a British actor, or a Scottish actor. Um, and he's basically known as Malcolm and he... He was like, this is like the Shawshank Redemption, except for there's going to be a lot less um, freedom and a lot more trolling through shit. <laughs> I was like, I, I think I butchered that quote, but it is, there's so many quotables from that show. Um, this is brilliant, but please continue. So Shawshank Redemption. Right. So Shawshank Redemption. So one of the, one of the things for me is that Shawshank Redemption, Redemption didn't win an Oscar. Yeah, I remember that. It, it actually flopped at the box office. And instead that year, Forrest Gump got Best Picture, which is one of my all-time least favorite movies. Really? How come? Oh, I just... Don't like Tom I, Hanks, the movie, or in no, general? No, I like Tom Hanks. I don't... It, it's just like... So, I don't know. I just find it uh, predictable, trite. Uh, I just do, and and part of my dislike for the for that movie is because I feel that Shawshank Redemption was robbed of the Oscar. I would. Agree. <laughs> um, and there's actually like there's actually groups for people that that. <coughs> Don't Absolutely like Forrest Gump, but do like Shawshank. We have like our own support group. <laughs> and when I tell people like, I don't really, I didn't really like Forrest Gump. They're like, what? Nope. So to me, Shawshank Redemption, the, the biggest message is, you know, perseverance. Yeah. Is, and that's such an integral part of my own life and, and what I work with clients on and all it's, I just love that movie. And, and then it, you know, became popular after. Yeah. It really, it really kind of like took off after that. So, so yeah, that's, that's one of my all time favorites. Ooh, before we continue, I did find the actual quote. It's it's like the Shawshank Redemption in here, only with a lot more tumbling through shit and no fucking redemption. <laughs> no redemption at the end. Oh, it was so brilliant. So, I don't know. Other movies? I mean, I love so many movies. Give Give me a... Give me a genre and I'll tell you what my favorite movie is in that. All right, let's go with... Hmm. My phone keeps wanting to fall over. That's crazy. All right, let's go with uh, one of my favorite movies. So I'll just give you guys an idea. One of my favorite movies is uh, John Wick. The first one. The second one's amazing. The third one I can't wait for. But the reason I love the first John Wick movie... Um, it's quite simply because it's a very simple tale that goes through revenge. That so goes through what? Revenge. It's a revenge oh. movie. If anything, it's very... It, it's just a very, very good revenge tale. Like, straightforward, you killed my dog, now I'm going to go after you. Plain and simple. Right, yeah. So for me, like, I like the sort of revenge tales with the the freedom theme like Braveheart is yep. one of my favorites because it's it both are in there. Yeah. Well same with Shawshank, right? It's like the freedom. Yeah. Peace. Very true. Because you know, I'm always thinking about like the best revenge is 
is living well, living your best life. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe that. Massively same thing. Yep. So, yeah, movies that have that theme. What else? What other genres can we talk about? Uh, funny movies. See, funny movies are kind of like the older ones I gotta go with. Like, there's very few comedies that I really, really enjoy anymore. I wonder is... that. Well, I like a lot of the Melissa McCarthy ones now. Yeah, so she's funny. Awesome. I love Melissa McCarthy. And back in the day, you know, all of I watched all of the Adam Sandler movies. The old ones, yeah. The ones yeah, from the, the 1990s. Little like, Nicky, uh, Billy Madison, yep. Uh, and what's the golf one? Um, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore is like, I, I quote Happy Gilmore all the time. Because it's all in the hips. <laughs> I got I got Jim a shirt that's like, be the ball. Oh, that is such a good... I, I love that movie. I might have to watch that sometime. <laughs> All right, cool. So I do have... Uh, right, I've actually just noticed time. We've got to wrap up in a moment. Um, so real quickly, before we head off, uh, one of the things I do want to ask you particularly, I have no idea why I had a Facebook noise go off, but hey, there we go. Things happen. Um, so one of the last things I really want to ask people is what should... Uh, what would you say would be the last three pieces of advice that you give, or even the one piece of advice that you get, you, you ask people to actually follow straight away? Like, what would be some advice that you can get them to uh, use right away in order to have a better life and or business? I mean, we've covered a lot, but like, what would be the one to three pieces that the guy who's they have okay. to go through? Well, one is talk to more people. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. If you're talking to more people, you know, if you're talking to more people in your, in your target market, you'll learn more about how to talk to them or what language they use or or what problems they have that you can offer solutions to. If you're talking to more people in that are in your, you know, that aren't necessarily prospective clients, but are in your industry, then you can potentially have joint ventures with them or do projects with them or be referral partners with them. If, you know, just talk to more people. Don't avoid peopling. Don't get stuck in your own mind and behind your computer, like, go talk to people. It's funny, like I work with a lot of clients that live in big cities. Yeah. And I have a client, you know, that lives in New York City and they're like, well, you know, where, like they live in Manhattan, like in one of the busiest parts of this entire world. And and like they are they do fitness stuff like go outside and talk to people <laughs> just go talk to people like you're in a city it, if you need to restart your creativity go talk to people if you need to get out of your own head go talk to people help help people offer to help people there's nothing better when you are in the depths of despair than helping somebody else. Every single time it will make you feel better. Agreed. Even if it's the tiniest thing, even if it's sending your friend a note that, Hey, I really appreciate you. you you know, I'm glad you're my friend. Even that, even something like that it doesn't have to be that you go and buy somebody something or that you you know go rake your neighbor's leaves like it doesn't have to be a a big thing it can be a small thing like having a conversation with someone 
those things really do change. Yeah, and like connecting with people. You know, we we create we crave connectivity and connection so much. And then sometimes we sit in our own misery and think like, oh, nobody's connecting with me. No, just go do it yourself. Yeah, you know how happy it makes people when you reach out to them and just say, hey, I was thinking of you. That doesn't, it doesn't mean that every interaction that you have is related to, oh, this person could potentially be a client of mine. No, just like be a person, person and friend. And guess what? The client's thing will sort itself out. If you have a clear offer and you offer it to people, people will buy your thing. Oh, and they need it, right? People yeah. will buy your thing. Like you don't have to put so much pressure on every interaction and every relationship. You can just have friends, you know, like old school. Go watch you movies with people. Go watch movies with people. Yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever your thing is. You can do anything. It, it was funny because I have a friend who, um, we were both kind of bored one day and I was like, hey, we should watch a movie. Like, uh, what was the movie? I can't even remember what I wanted to watch that day. And so <laughs> we're going to watch it together online, right? <laughs> and then... I couldn't get into my my direct TV and she couldn't get, and it wasn't on Netflix and like it became this really complicated annoying thing and then I was like fuck it forget it I'm not even gonna watch the movie I don't even care I love that it's but, you know just whatever just keep it simple you know, Agreed. give someone a call, or if they're if they hate phone calls, send them a text. Agreed. And just cheer up their day. You know, if you're if if you run your own business, even if you have a team and employees and all of that and people that you talk to every day in that regard around your business you can still be pretty isolated and pretty and feel pretty alone. Yeah. So what's the solution to that? Well, you need to have an inner circle. You need to reach out to people. You, you might need a mentor that you talk to on a regular basis. You, you need to have that support in place because if you don't, you know, you might not be in business and, you know, or you might not grow your business to what you want it to be, or you might just feel really shitty all the time. And like, yeah. why, you know, most people started their own business to feel better than they did working for somebody. So if you feel worse, than you did working for someone, like fix that, change that. You design your own business in your own life. I am a strong believer in self-determination and designing things to be the way it works for you. Like even if you think about your, your writing, sometimes you write best at night. Yeah. Sometimes I write best when I'm randomly, I don't know, sapping the internet. <laughs> right? Like, so do what works for you. There aren't these hard and fast rules. And I think, I think that's what, you know, because I work with so many people that are creatives is there's this fear that, you know, if you start to apply some structure to your life, that it that it feels like rules and it's too restrictive but it actually provides you with a lot more freedom 
if you start to provide, if you start to apply structure. Could not agree more. So that is something that people should really start doing. Cool. Cool. cool, cool. Anything else? Is there any other thing? No. Unfortunately. You know know me. Oh, I know. I've, I've got. I'm probably gonna have you back on again. The main reasons because I'm like, I'm, I've just looked at the time. I've got to make sure. Like, I've got to get going in the moment anyway. Um, but you have been amazing. I definitely want you back on again for the next season, season six. Uh, if you'd be open to that, I'd love to have you on. Absolutely. Definitely on for round two. All right, guys, go check out sarahbthompson.com. Re-listen to this episode again and again, and specifically just the last. The last bits of advice we've just shared right now are probably some of the most golden gems that you could find, but this entire episode has been absolutely amazing. Um, Sarah, thank you for being open and actually sharing your story with me and everyone else and also like giving us some insights in how we can basically better ourselves. Everyone else listening to this right now, you have basically essentially heard how I get my ass handed to me in a nice way, uh, <laughs> which is lovely. It's like the most politest way of telling me to shut up and stop goofing off um, and get my systems in place. But Sarah, thanks again. Um, And guys, Thank thank you for being here and listening in. Take care and I'll see you on the next episode.